The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You're now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. I have a new really good friend of mine that I met down at the Hippocrates Health Institute. You guys know I was back there um, right after Christmas, and then my luckily for for me and hopefully for the people that were there, um, it got extended um, an extra week. So I was actually there until um, uh, the second weekend uh, in in January. It was an amazing experience, and I got to go back and revisit the place that had given me so much and um, meet with the directors, Dr. Brian and Anna Maria Clement. Um, I love those two. And it was really cool to see them. It's because it's, it's so important. It's like we're always talking about health, 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 health. But I got to actually have dinner with them and to see them interact. You know, Brian's in his 70s. And I believe, you know, Anna Marie's in her late 60s. They were like like little high school kids snuggling on each other. And she was giving them little smooches and stuff. So it's the, the quality of life and the love that you get from that place is so awesome. And it just emanates out because of the directors. They actually live it and breathe it in their own life. And so what they've done now is they've after the whole COVID you know, debacle, it was very tough on retail businesses. Now they're kind of assembling like people like myself that, that, that have other things that we could do with our skill sets, but we're coming to help Hippocrates Health Institute with our skill sets to be a leader in medicine and, and natural healing. And one of those people that I met down there was Tony, who we have on the show today. And just an amazing guy. You're going to meet him. He's got an amazing story. And he's got some um, he's got some crazy cool stuff he's going to share, but at the end, he's got this, uh, what's called the future of cities. And that was the title of this episode. And, um, the things are changing in the building industry. I know because I'm actually building a house myself right now <laughs> and a shop and even talking to the contractors right now, things are changing. Materials are changing the way things are going. The, the old way of building a house, um, and buildings is, is it's going to change. It's just going to be like, it's almost like the way we're doing things now is like a horse and buggy and Henry Ford's in, invented the Model T and things just move. You change and then, you know, it, that's that's where we're at. So anyway, Tony, thank you for being here today, my friend. Tim, so happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. It was great meeting you at Hippocrates and I'm happy to be here on your show. Yeah, so, you know, what you've got going on is, is uh, it's an awesome project, the future of cities. Um, we're going to get into it. Before we do... Um, I want to get into your backstory because when somebody pointed you out, they're like, yeah, that's the CEO of this big corporation and stuff like that. And I looked over and you're like wearing yoga pants. I'm like, this is my type of guy. I like this guy. Like nobody, no CEOs are walking around with yoga pants, but see, things are changing. We're getting back to nature. I'm like, this guy is back to nature. How did it happen? And then I found out that you actually grew up in an ashram. Can you explain what an ashram is for people that don't know what it is and how you grew up? <laughs> Yeah, so my grandmother, um, Ma, started an intentional interfaith ashram in Florida called Kashi in 1976, two years before I was born. And both my parents um, had me out of wedlock, my, and, and my grandmother <clears throat> adopted me at birth. So I was raised as a child of this commune with a larger family, sleeping on the temple floor, doing yoga, being forced to do meditation. It was uh, a very unique and special upbringing that, you know, taught me a lot and was really very foundational in how I think and operate and live my life today. So it was really very unique spiritual, spiritual community that was embraced all religions, but um, was, uh, you know, Hinduism at its core because it was an ashram, which is a spiritual community in India that usually follows a guru figure. And that guru was my grandmother. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you did this as a kid and then, I mean, did you go to like a high school or did you, were you? Yeah, we actually there? had a private, we had a private school uh, on the property that many of the students started to teach. So it's kind of like, um, you know, it was like, it was almost like glorified homeschooling and then it turned into a real school at some point and uh, private school. And then people from the surrounding community actually would pay to go to school there. 
So it became a popular school. And uh, yeah, and that's where I studied and that's where I grew up. Cool. Yeah, I know. I noticed when I when I meet people, I really pick up on people's frequencies and stuff like that. And I just got what I got from you is that you're a pretty chill dude. And um, it didn't seem like, you know, I'm sure you have lots of stressful things that you have to deal with on a daily basis when you're <laughs> building cities, right, in a healthy way. But, um, you know, that I just want to let you know that, that that came through. And it's like, I love having people on the show that are actually healthy themselves. I mean, not just healthy, you know, with their health, their physical health, but also their mental, their emotional, their spiritual health. And it just kind of shines through. You're just a calm dude. And seems like just somebody that uh, I gravitated to. So that's why I got your number and wanted to have you on the show. All right. So likewise, you grew up in an ashram, community-based thing, lots of yoga, lots of meditation, all that stuff, which I'm a little jealous. Um, but um, then what happened? Because like your life kind of took a turn in your in your teens, right? So and then then well, I, I got I got into Northwestern path. University and and I went to college in Chicago for a brief stint. And I really didn't like being in the cold. You know, I grew up in Florida, barefoot, going to the beach, surfing, hanging out on the beach and, you know, in a warmer climate. And I, it didn't really resonate. I was in a cold suburb in Chicago, Evanston, where Northwestern is. And um, so I, I came down to Miami to do an internship at MTV Latino, spend some time with my adopted father. Now, my grandmother remarried a Korean martial arts master named Master Susei Cho. It's a ninth degree black belt in Taekwondo who's credited with bringing international style Taekwondo to the US in the 70s. He instructed the Turkish army, started a company called Macho Products. So, um, you know, I went to spend time with him, spend time in Miami, and then I really kind of became enamored and fascinated with the culture and, you know, the diversity that was in Miami. And I wanted to learn Spanish and love all Latin culture and Latin women, of course, and Latin food. And so I, I applied to do an exchange program in Argentina in Buenos Aires. And that was just kind of the moment that opened my life wide open. It was 1998, Madonna was filming Evita there. Carlos Menem was president. The dollar and the peso were one-to-one. -one. It was just such a culturally enriching experience for me that I was so excited to be there that, you know, I just, it changed. You know, growing up in the ashram, very simple, humble beginnings to a place that was just like the Paris of Latin America, having its heyday moment. And um, I was traveling all over the country, meeting all kinds of interesting people. And it was super fascinating. And so basically after six months of being there, I called my grandmother and I said, I've got bad news for you, grandma. I said, I'm moving to Argentina. I'm dropping out of school and I'm eating meat. <laughs> and she went, she went ballistic on me. And basically she cut me off financially and she excommunicated me from the community because she was so upset and didn't want me to basically, you know, take, make those life choices. But I was very stubborn and defiant. How old were you? How old are you at this point? I was 19. Okay. 19. So at that point, I didn't so you're have... basically telling your guru, guru to F off. <laughs> She's your grandma. Yeah, I basically told my, my grandmother, I said, sorry, I'm going to choose my own life path. And so I did. And, um, and I went looking for a job. And within a couple of hours, I walked into this place called Bar Danson. And I remember very vividly, the owner of Ichi was there standing at the top of the, the stairs, a very beautiful, striking, middle-aged Argentinian woman with long red hair. And we struck up a conversation. We became very chatty and friendly. And she hired me to be the host on the job and basically on the spot. And I went to work. And the first week I'm working there, Madonna came in with Menem and all these celebrities from Latin America, Charlie Garcia, Susana Jimenez. So next thing you know, I'm skiing in Bariloche, which is like the Aspen of Argentina. I'm on yachts in Punta del Este. I'm going to Carnival in Brazil. I'm traveling all over and I'm having the most glorious experience of my life <laughs> after being rejected by my grandmother and basically cut off. And, and uh, so it was a good transition from that world to a new world, which is a new reality. And um, for me to gain my independence. And, um, and it was quite, uh, it was quite a, uh, quite a beautiful experience for me. And then when I came back to Miami, I continued on that path in hospitality and nightlife and became a pretty well-known nightclub promoter. And so why uh, did you come back? Why did, why did you leave there and come back to Miami? Just because, <clears throat> just because I wanted, I mean, I kind of finished my stint there and things were changing in Argentina at that time. And 
you know, I wanted to come back and just, you know, I, you know, I'm from Florida. I missed my roots and wanted yeah. to connect. And so I came back to Miami and then I got hired right away to run, you know, to be a host at one of the best hotspots in Miami beach and just continued through that path and then started working in New York and went to film festivals and Sundance and con and met all kinds of interesting people and created a really good network. And then, um, I, I knew that that wasn't going to be my, my long-term vision for my life. And so I got my real estate license. And, um, you know, initially with my network, I thought I was going to be a realtor to the stars, like Bravo or one of these things. And <clears throat> I realized quickly that that wasn't my calling for, you know, I want to do something more creative and innovative. And so I, I was introduced to these artists and creatives that were living in warehouses in the arts district in Miami and in kind of the urban core. And, um, you know, I became enamored basically with, you know, that community, the creative class, living in warehouses, creating art and, and you know, the creatives essentially, and the independent brands and the artists. And um, it, was, it was really a miraculous, magical time. And so I started working on basically creating and shaping neighborhoods. And in 2005, I launched a company called Metro One. And Metro One that I still own today is a commercial brokerage and investment firm that has done over three and a half billion dollars worth of non-institutional independent transactions of high net worth individuals and independent retailers um, curating neighborhoods. And the, 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 the slogan of that company is we shape neighborhoods. And so I've owned that company for 18 years. I still own that company. I have a managing partner now, so I don't operate the business, but I'm still involved in, in oversight and some management and, and really more business development. Um, but that was the foundation of me building a career. And I became one of the pioneers of the Wynwood Arts District. And the Wynwood Arts District is one of the most famous street art districts in the world. And it's a place you go where you have murals of artists from all over the world on the exteriors of every building. And one of my mentors, Tony Goldman, was one of the, the big catalysts of that neighborhood. And I was worked with him to help him, you know, acquire buildings and we were on the business improvement district together. And so he's been a big inspiration for me in my career. And he's one of the original placemakers, um, you know, that, that worked on Soho in New York and Rittenhouse Square in, 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 in Philadelphia and then South Beach in the 90s and then Wynwood in the 2000s. And so I got, you know, that was what I was doing at that, at that age. And, you know, basically in my mid-20s when I started my company. And to be part of that meteoric rise, I mean, you know, we were, I was selling buildings for, and land for, you know, $10 a foot, $15 a foot for, for land and, you know, a hundred bucks a foot, 150 bucks a foot for buildings. Now it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, a thousand dollars a foot, you know, for land and, you know, $3,000 a foot for buildings in some cases. So it just, it being part of that, you know, creation of those neighborhoods was really eye-opening and really incredibly interesting and cool but then i started to see kind of the negative impacts of successful real estate development the gentrification the cultural misappropriation the homogenization of the retailers and you come kind of have the national brands and the vcs coming in and kind of just sucks the lifeblood out of these independent mom and pops and so i wasn't happy about that i was like i kind of felt like i was part of the problem and not part of the solution but i become financially secure and I'd made enough investments and I was part of this really meteoric rise of this neighborhood, uh, I just felt bad that a lot of my friends and a lot of the tenants that had been part of creating this neighborhood together could no longer afford to be there. And so I started to help some of these gallery owners and artists look at buying their own properties in the next neighborhood. And the next neighborhood was Little Haiti, which is an underserved Caribbean neighborhood in Miami um, and that's where I embarked on my next project, which was called Magic City Innovation District in Little Haiti, which I'm the founder of. And that's the largest or one of the largest projects in America, certainly one of the largest in Miami. It's a, a city of the future and it predated my launch of Future of Cities. But I really conceptualized a transformative urban project that would uplift and include the whole community because I saw what was happening in Wynwood, and it didn't make me happy with the artists and the creatives and the independent brands. And so we created a Little Haiti Trust Fund 
we entitled this project, we assembled 18 acres of land, me and my partners, and we entitled it for 8 million square feet of development. We renovated all the existing warehouses. We tended them out. We created a little Haiti trust fund for $41 million that goes back into the community. So we did some innovative things, which was really kind of cool. And I'm very proud of that. And I, um, I sold my interest in that project last May. And then I rolled most of those proceeds into my new platform, The Future of Cities. And that's where I'm calling you from now in our climate and innovation hub here in Little Haiti um, for the future of cities. So it's oh, kind cool. of come full circle and it's pretty beautiful because we have a, an aspirational net zero adaptive reuse office building, you know, which is a demonstration project for sustainability and community resilience and climate solutions here in Florida, which is on the front lines of climate change, as you well know. Well, that's really cool. Um, you know, this uh, what, what, what this is happening all over across America too. It's even in a small scale here in our, we have a small town. There's probably in the grand, like 12,000 people. I think it's 11,850. Maybe the surrounding Valley, there's maybe 40, 50,000 people. But what happened was, is like when, when Walmart came in, it literally put a whole bunch of small mom and pa businesses out of business. And, yep. you know, that's what this it does. happens, these, these core, and the, it's crazy because as you know, anybody that's traveled across America and around the world, well, you'll know, it's like, like when I'm over here in, in Eastern Oregon or in Portland, you know, you see the home depots and, and you see all these big box stores, uh, you know, Michael's, um, stuff like that. And it's, it's just a rubber stamp all over the place. It's all over the place. They come in Starbucks, there's, there's models. They, they know what they're doing. There's, it's just, they keep putting the same spot stuff in other places. And again, we, I had some, we did this a while back. I did a podcast basically talking about how we're losing quality in our products. And what I'm realizing is it's all this huge, big corporate takeover stuff. So what's interesting from what I've learned from this conversation is that it's not just putting small businesses out of business. Even when you went in and did something good, I really, I want to go there. I want to see all these murals and stuff. I mean, I could see where it could be this beautiful. I love, I, I understand why you like Argentina and stuff because like I, I, I was married to a gal from Peru. I went down to Peru all the time. We went to Cusco and you get, to, you're walking on, you know, stone that's been laid thousands of years ago. You know what I mean? And it's still in good shape and the buildings and there's not a lot, there's no carpet in a lot of these houses and stuff like that. It's, it's beautiful stone. Like, uh, it's just amazing the, the 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 textures and the colors and stuff. It's like you're kind of just the cities are blended into the earth, right? Mm -hmm. The trees and the bushes and the flowers and the people and everybody's more down to earth. They're literally eating lower on the food chain. Everything's more holistic, wholesome. And then I and then you know it was really sad because somebody told me like up at uh, I think it was like up at Machu Picchu they put in like a um, like a four star restaurant or something like that, right? It's just it's completely out of whack with what's there. I mean, pe people should be staying in a tent, you know, and waking yeah. up on the side of a mountain and looking at the sun coming up through these beautiful rainforests. I, I got to, I got to literally camp on the side of a pretty steep mountain and wake up and see these beautiful things and, and walk on the, on the, on the, the Inca trail there for four days and uh, four nights. It was, it was an unbelievable experience. And, and um, so what ended up happening with you is you go in and you have this plan to, really beautify this community and bring this community together, make it beautiful and connected. And then it got so awesome. Corporate interest came in and then basically financially kind of just destroyed it is what happened. So you took that, that, that learning into the next project and you learned from that. And you just keep, now you're, you're doing the future of cities. So let's do this. We'll take we actually, okay, go, go for it. No, go no. for it. I just had a comment well, about about Walmart because yeah, Walmart it. Walmart was going to move into Wynwood and uh, you know we had so many cool independent brands and we all believed in craft retail and we fought Walmart you know to come into Midtown and we actually convinced them to do an incubator space for independent retailers so you know there is this opportunity to engage with big commerce you know and 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 the capitalism and try to evolve it in a way that it's, it's, it's more social capital. It's not just financial capital. And so that's what I've been really working on with the future of cities. So in the next episode, we can talk about more about what the future of cities mission is and what we're doing. Awesome. And that's it. You're the first person to take us to break. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. And there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. Uh, what's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with my with my new friend, Tony Cho, and he's got his little puppy uh, with him. What's the name of your puppy? Aki, Aki Cho. Say hi, Aki. It's a cute, cute dog. So that's a, that's a, uh, that means uh, bravery, right? Yeah. Eskimo, exactly. Eskimo terms, you tell me. It's yeah. A cute little Inuit, dog. Inuit in, in indigenous terms. She's got a lot of energy, but she's beautiful. She's, uh, we bought her for my wife as, as a, as a healing dog. And she, yeah, she means bravery. She means bravery in Eskimo, basically. I'll let yeah. her play. Be brave. Be brave, Aki. Yeah, it's funny because your your wife, I didn't know that you were on the executive team at Hippocrates. I hadn't even met you. Somebody told me about you, but I met your wife um in the in in the wheatgrass hut making wheatgrass. We were like talking. And then later on, I know she had like a um uh one of those IV therapies and they had like a hard time finding a vein or something. And then they found it and then it just created a lot of pain. And she was like talking about it. she's like, Oh, my arm, it's killing me. And I was like, Hey, let's go get in the relaxed sauna. So I got them set up over here, but I'll, you know, nobody can use them, but I'm, I'm the one putting it together. So let's, I'll get you in it. And um, later that night after she got out of the sauna, she, we saw you and her together at the wheatgrass hut again. And she's like, Oh my God, Tim, my the pain in my arm is completely gone and gave me a hug. And, and then you guys just bought a relaxed sauna too. So that's cool. We did. We're going to assemble it tonight. We're here in Miami. So we got it shipped to our Miami apartment and we're very excited about it. But yeah, she got really amazing results. From the few times she went in the sauna there at, at Hippocrates, and yeah, it was—it's really—it's an incredible device. So yeah, we've I was really—I was really happy to be able to bring that technology to them because I know they have, you know, forty people a week coming there. Some of them just to, you know, lose some weight, but a lot of people are coming there with severe health issues. You know that they yeah. that that they're either tired because it's not working with Western medicine or Western medicine. There's more we can do, and so people come there, like my buddy Charles who had cancer. And, um, anyway, I was just, uh, I'm really glad that they adopted it. I know doctors, Anna Maria Clement and Brian, they both, it's their personal choice of sauna. So it's really good tech. Everybody yeah. that listens knows about it. Unless you're new, if you need a refresher course on this very special infrared sauna, go back and listen to episode 61 of my podcast. And it goes into detail with the owner, Phil Wilson. And I'm going to have Phil back on again to do an update because back on episode 61, I didn't have my major detox. I literally had black and gray stuff coming out of me after about two months of getting into that sauna for about a year every day pouring out so for those of you that want to detox anything whether it was uh you know a jab or anything um heavy metals you're a welder you've been exposed to that kind of stuff um you know military people especially with anthrax shots and burning trash especially the ones that are deployed um it's a great device to have in your home and we know that people cannot heal if they're not in a calm rest and digest, AKA parasympathetic mode. You can't do it. If you're trying to heal, just a note out there for those people out there that are, that are everybody's stressed out at some level. You have to have certain things in your daily to reduce your stress. Tony learned a lot about this stuff in meditation growing up at the ashram and stuff like that, breath work and meditation and getting out in nature and being around people you love. But something like this sauna is also something you can bolt on as a, an arrow in your quiver to reduce stress. It literally takes you out of the fight or flight and puts you in to rest and digest mode. And if you're in the sauna, might be a good time to close your eyes and do some breath work too. And then you can double down on it. All right, Amazing. man. So let's get into um, what you're doing. So there were some problems and you brought them up and I want you to specifically explain these for the layperson. So what you noticed was um, in these 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 cities that, that were getting that problems were was gentrification. Can you explain that? So gentrification is a form of displacement, particularly in underserved community communities in predominantly cities, but it can be in rural areas as well, where investment comes in or 
its geographically desirable areas and particularly underserved low-income neighborhoods that usually are food deserts and don't have access to good supermarkets and other things. There's a lot of common elements that you see in these low-income underserved communities, a lot of liquor stores, a lot of gambling places, a lot of high high interest you know debt shops and things that are kind of really predatory on on low income folks and so you see a lot of consistency not a lot of level level of high education not a lot a lot of uh financial literacy um a lot of insecurity etc and if they're well located and they've been basically bought up or as you see basically as the urban areas are growing and expanding you know these neighborhoods are being absorbed by developments or investment and then they become gentrified. And so the, the existing population gets pushed out, you know, or gets displaced. And, you know, they can't oftentimes be able to hold whether they're renting or owning their home, whether property taxes go up too high or rents go up too high. It's just not a place that they can call home anymore. And so, you know, when I started witnessing that within the neighborhoods that I was working in, in Wynwood and Little Haiti, in my professional experience, you know, I, I just started holding this inquiry you know, how can real estate development be different? How can we create, you know, successful real estate projects in neighborhoods and communities while creating equity, while including, while including people, while making them participate in the uplift of those neighborhoods? And so that's what I began this journey around Future of Cities because I had been involved in creating and shaping and curating neighborhoods for 20 years. And I, we've done some amazing things and the, the impact of the arts contribution to the greater Miami area and the work that has been done in Wynwood is phenomenal. It's not to be discounted because I'm still very proud of the success of it, but there still remains this aspect of, you know, we, we left the artist community behind. We left the Puerto Rican population behind. So we, I embarked on this journey and this mission to impact the lives of a billion people through innovations in the built environment. And what that means is everything that we live in, you know, all the buildings, anything that's air conditioned or climatized is what's called the built environment. So your churches, your synagogue, your temples, your schools, your homes, your apartment buildings, your office buildings, every square foot or square meter that exists on earth today will double or triple in size in the next 30 years, which means that the way that we've been building those communities, both from how we do it and with what concept in mind, how we're including our communities, to the types of materials that we're using, to the way that we design and urban plan our urban areas, are not creating healthy environments for people to thrive. They're not including people, particularly underserved and low-income populations. And so the whole concept and inspiration behind the future of cities is to disrupt that old paradigm disrupt that old uh, uh, model by inspiring city planners, community activists, architects, uh, engineers, mayors, you know, uh, governors, presidents, you know, prime ministers of countries to look at a new way of building cities that are more biophilic, that are in line with nature, that make people feel safer. We talk about parasympathetic versus sympathetic, that create that environment because there's more green space, there's more nature within the built environment. You know, we aren't apart from nature. We are a part of nature. And cities have separated us from nature. And so it's time to reintegrate or what we call rewild, you know, our hearts and our minds and our cities. And that's a metaphor for creating that parasympathetic experience. Noise pollution. Why do cars need to make so much noise? Well, my Tesla doesn't make any noise. Why can't all of our cars be required to not make any noise? Why do they have to be combustion engines? Why can't we have special noise pollution laws that prohibit noise from happening in cities? And there's ways to do it. There's VR experience that can take people into the rainforest and the Amazon. And so the technology exists, the know-how exists, the resources are there. Um, we just need to align and, and galvanize around a co-created cohesion vision, cohesive vision of the future. Okay. So back to gentrification, I want you to give me an example because I'm thinking of, let's say, let's just say it's a single mom, uh, low income, and she's either renting or, you know, or, or she has a home. Okay, so there's two people there. Maybe there's, there's two women. And one of them lost her husband. The other one, the husband took off. She ended up raising the kids and she's part of this new development in the city. 
how do how does she how does she stay a part of that without either rents going from you know fifteen hundred a month up to ten thousand a month or something like that, or where she's got her house let's say she has her house paid off or a small mortgage payment, and then all of a sudden her taxes go from twenty two hundred dollars a year to thirteen thousand a year, right? And all of a sudden it's like another mortgage payment. So in these in the future of cities, what are you doing to help that person? How does that work? Okay, so. I think it, it's a lot of it starts with deep listening and, and, and participatory co-design. So before you go and develop, or even before you're buying the land, it's about getting to know the community and listening to them and learning from them of what their needs are. And as you design your plan with the city, you know, and look for incentives to help do a project that is what we call the triple or quadruple bottom line, people, planet, profit, and purpose we evaluate with a certain metrics and we're developing a framework called regenerative placemaking that's gonna measure the impact. Because I think if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And so we wanna measure like, how are we improving people's lives? Are we increasing in affordability and, and, and decreasing equity? Are we increasing affordability, increasing, creating more housing and housing security and food security by the investments that we're making? And so the, there's many different tools, like for example, land trusts, you can put low-income areas into a land trust that, pre that prevent the property values from rising or the property taxes from rising in a certain district. So there are practices and there are certain things that you can do. There's TIFs, you know, and there's, there's CRAs and different structures that allow for business development credits and tax incentives for people who are investing in the community. When you're actually doing community resilience, where you're creating equity, I mean, when you look at just energy costs, for example, or food costs, those are disproportionately high for lower income folks. And so if we can provide affordable, sustainable, inclusive housing, we're solving a lot of problems because if people you know, can't afford their electric bill, you know, they can't afford very much to, to survive. They're just teetering on the poverty line. We've gotta be able to, you know, for me, you know, energy should be free as far as I'm concerned. It should be subsidized. Yeah, we should just, everybody should be able to, I mean, the sun is our biggest form of energy. Why were we charging for the sun? And I mean, like energy should be free and we can create our own utilities, but, you know, greed and financial capitalism has just, um, you know, dominated the narrative for so long that people are just, you know, they only see it one way. And I just think certain things are, you know, inalienable rights like education and, you know, clean air and clean water. And, you know, we're, 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 we're failing miserably uh, at providing these. Many of our cities are polluted, noise pollution, air pollution, which is making people sick, giving them diseases, cancers, et cetera. We have an obligation to our citizens, to our, to our, to our humans, to make sure that they can live in safe and clean environments. And we're not providing that in cities. Cities are not safe, they're not clean, and they're not healthy, and they don't promote parasympathetic, you know, um, healing states uh, for our bodies. And that's my yeah. mission. I want to create an environment where we have that. So I wanted to share something with you just because it's my nature. I want everybody to wake up and feel good and have a happy life. So um, quite a few years ago, uh, a friend of mine in the health industry bought one of those Teslas. He got a white one four door. It was the souped up most expensive. It was over a hundred thousand bucks back then. I don't know what it was, but I was excited. It was actually on one of my vision boards. And, um, he, cause after he let me test drive it, he said, just, you know, I drove it. It was completely quiet. There was no engine in the front. I'm like, wow, more storage. This makes sense. And then I stepped on it and holy crap, dude, that thing was like a rocket ship taken off. I rode motorcycles and it blew me away. And then he's like, he goes now go 30 miles an hour and floor it. So I went 30 and I pushed it to the ground. It was like taking off from a dead stop. And then he had me do it at 40 and 50, even at 50 miles an hour, when you floored it, it was like you took off, it whipped you back. I was like, this thing is awesome. I put it on my vision board, but then a couple things happened, two things. And I want to share this with you. Number one, I am really big. In, I, one of my goals with chemical free bodies to grow it and take the proceeds and help create free energy. That's what I want to do. And and what's downloaded to me is the Earth's electromagnetic field. This is an electrical field that's around all of us. It's literally like the force that we could tap into and have sustainable energy anywhere we go, anytime, anywhere, any place. So that's one way of, um, of doing it. The one thing I didn't like um, 
Yeah. Another thing that I didn't, um, uh, that I, when I did deeper research on the Tesla was it's an electric car, right? So it creates, it takes six times more mining to create those electric cars. So it's tough because like, if you want to help the planet, it's you're, you're, you're saving on one end and still right now, I don't know what the number is. I think it's 70 or 80% of the electricity used to charge electric cars is still coming from fossil fuels. So there's a big disconnect there where people think we're just going to go electric and it's going to save the world. Cause right now it'd actually be worse than a combustional car. Right. Yeah, now, but the truth, the truth is, is that, you know, automobiles only account for a small fraction of CO2 emissions. So yes, we do need to electrify all, you know, transportation, aviation, trains, you know, et cetera. But we need to de decouple it from fossil fuels and have plants that are solarized or nuclear or alternative clean, clean, clean energy. Free energy, just, like you said, man. Yeah, free. Yeah. Just go yeah, completely not clean, free. free. Go free. For energy. For energy is the best way to go. Yeah. Um, but the reality is the built environment, meaning building, building them, operating them, the life cycle of the actual built environment, accounts for 50% of all CO2 emissions. So if we don't address that, you know, and, and, and remember, the built environment is going to double or triple in the next 30 years. So we're creating even more exacerbating the problem by just building with concrete and steel, which is the most unsustainable way to build buildings. I mean, laminated timber is now coming out, pre, pre, you know. Um, and, and laminated timber has fossil fuels in it because so there's, glue, there's glue and stuff like that. I mean, we've seen this in but the building less. process. Yeah, yeah. It's so, less than so, concrete and steel. But here was the big takeaway for you personally is, and I want, is that the big thing for me was I still wanted the Tesla because <laughs> it was such yeah. a cool car, but they make a gazillion EMFs. So it's like, it's spinning and creating a lot. So you have to make sure that you have, I don't know what it's going to take, whether it's the Tesla rocks um, or it, they're actually called uh, yeah Tesla. It's actually a Tesla rock. It's not the same thing. Harmonizers, all that stuff. So I just want to make sure that you and your family are protected because those things thing could be scram It is scrambling your cells and that could cause rogue cells and lead to cancer and all that kind of stuff. So just, just a little word of advice there on that. You can look into that. We can talk later if you want on harmonizers. Yeah, recommend, remember what, you know, I'd love to have a recommendation on which harmonizers you recommend for cars because I know we have them on our bodies, the EMF for our phones and all that stuff. Yeah, I have some Tesla rocks. I get them from emfrocks.com. Those are under my mm -hmm. seat. And then there's also a company called bestemfproducts.com. I've actually had Dr. Elizabeth Plords um, on and Justin. I've had, I have past podcasts where I've, Justin's the owner of emfrocks.com and Dr. Elizabeth Plortz and her husband, um, uh, Marcus Plortz. They're both uh, scientific researchers, PhDs. They're just a lovely older couple that has an amazing technology because she herself was a highly sensitive to EMFs. She said it was like really bad. Like she'd walk by somebody with a cell phone. It felt like they were stabbing her with a knife. It was oh, pretty wow. intense. So anyway, there's, there's stuff on that. All right. So um, last thing. So an emphasis, so we talked about gentrification. Um, how does the new city um, help with transportation? Well, I think that's that's where the public-private partnership comes into. If you're dealing with, you know, department of transportation in any city or any state or or or, you know, federally, you know, you can you can partner with them to to work on plans that are going to be sustainable. In Jacksonville, we're working with Brown Groundworks Jacksonville and our big project that we're doing up there to help um, realize and actualize this 30 miles of, of green belt that's called the Emerald Trail, which is a place where people can bike and they can run and they can jog and goes around the whole city and connects all the parks. So I think those are ways where the public, where the private sector can get involved with the public sector and help es you know, escalate and accelerate you know, quality of life adaptation that de-emphasizes the automobile and emphasizes health and well-being. And the more we're out of our car, and you know, out and on bikes and jogging and walking, the happier we are as humans. That's just a reality. Yeah, and the other thing too is like, if, if you're if you're able to do that, you're going to be healthier because you're moving your body, which is one of the common traits of the blue zones. They exercise daily. That's the yeah. people that live the longest. They, live, they have the most centurions. Um, yeah. So that's a huge thing. But also, there's going to be less pollution, and I think that's the number one issue we have on our planet today is pollution. Um, and, um, and I guess the last thing is, like you said, there's just, there's a lot, it's safer. There's like less roads, it's less noise, it's less damn, less squirrels getting run over. You know what I mean? There's people riding bicycles. And totally, 1,000%. Less road rage. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, much less road rage. 
people people are happier. All right, exactly. man. Well, we're going to take another break. And when we get back, we're going to get into, I want you to talk more about the future of cities and what you're doing right now. We'll be back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body Turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution helps against inflammation and pain. Turmeric 100 is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% organic, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with my guest, Tony Cho. And... Um... There's some really interesting stuff, man. Uh, you, you're taking on some pretty big projects, which is cool. But what I like about them is that they're actually getting people back to nature, right? That's the most important. That's the whole thing. We, that's, we really need to be going, moving. Everything needs to go back to nature. I think that's one of the reasons why I've always wanted to like, go hang out with the Buddhist monks at the temples and stuff is because their city up there in the, in the mountains, is like, it's like it just fits in. It's it's walk it's rock pathways and stuff like that it's just i like that's why i like eastern oregon over here i'm out in nature you know i go outside i got a farm and stuff and there's trees and mountains and i love going out in the mountains so anyway i love what you're doing so let's talk about the future of cities um and exactly what you're doing right now we've talked a little bit about it but just kind of give us a little 10 minute synopsis on what it is and what you're uh, trying to accomplish with it and where how far you've gotten so far yeah, so we launched the Future of Cities platform in on Earth Day in April 2021. And um, the mission of the Future of Cities is to impact the lives of a billion people positively through innovations in the built environment. Now, I know that's a tongue twister. And, you know, for, for the average person, maybe that doesn't really, un, is not really digestible. But realize that the built environment, so every building that exists in the world is where we live, we work, we play, we worship, we go to school, we get educated. That's what's the built environment. Whether you live in a, in a hut, a mud hut, you know, you know, in sub-Saharan Africa, or you live in a high rise in New York City, you live in a building, you live in a built environment or even a tent. And so the built environment is what creates our reality, right? That's our safety, that's our shelter, those are our places. Well, all these buildings you know, create a lot of emissions and they create a lot of pollution and they create a lot of toxins in our lives. And so if we reimagine how cities, communities, neighborhoods are envisioned and developed and planned, we can impact the, the, the course of humanity. And there's a lot of things that we can do. There's concepts like the 15 minute city that was popularized by Dr. Carlos Moreno in Paris and the Mayor Hidalgo in Paris that is de-emphasizing the automobile and really making pedestrian and bicycle traffic really the, the, you know, dominant to the car, for example, which we know is better for our health and mental well-being and all of that stuff, being outside, getting out of the car. So it's really rewilding our minds and rewilding our cities and bringing nature back into the built environment. It's a big part of what we're doing. So the, the, the platform has three components. It has a think tank that's open sourcing, means sharing with the world, a new sustainable development framework called regenerative placemaking. And this is a participatory structure that works with existing predominantly underserved communities and low-income communities, communities to co-design with them, empower them, give them capacity to co-design their best outcomes, all right? So we work with these communities to help them create outcomes that are positive for them. That's number one. Number two, we have a real estate investment and development vehicle that's focused on ESG, which is environmental, social governance, impact metrics, and impact investing and sustainability within our project. So we only do projects that are gonna have a you know, carbon neutral, net zero, you know, strategy on the environmental side, a social innovation component, helping these underserved communities in one way or another, and, and also focus on purpose and profit. So that's the real estate side. And then there's a venture capital ecosystem where we're accelerating and investing in, in you know, startups and tech companies and founders who are disrupting the built environment. So the material sciences, the building materials we use, all of that stuff. So those, those are the, 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 the three legs of the stool, so to speak. Um, we're going to be launching a fund in Portugal for um, golden visas all around regenerative development. Um, we have a project in Jacksonville, a whole district that we're prototyping. That's going to be our first demonstration project. 
We have an innovation and climate hub in Miami's little Haiti district, which is aspirationally a net zero office building, art space, event space, our headquarters in an opportunity zone, which is a tax incentivized low income district in America. And um, so all of these projects we're using as demonstration projects of sustainability and community resilience. And so I'm one of those, I'm, I'm a doer you know, and a talker, but I like to do more than talk. And so people, I'm one of those people, show me, don't tell me, you know, don't, don't tell me what to do, show me what to do and how to do it. And so that's really what I'm, about. I'm a doer. So I'm really about, okay, let's demonstrate what does a city of the future or a neighborhood of the future look like? So whether we're developing it ourselves at Future of Cities or colleagues or friends around the world are developing projects, we're showing them. We have a whole social media platform. We're launching a podcast as well on the Future of Cities to provide people with solutions and ideas around co-creating regenerative, equitable, sustainable built environment for people to live high qualities of life in urban context, in the built environment, even if it's suburbia. And so even our project, you know, a, a Chosen Retreat is a demonstration project. So everything that we do is we look at it as living laboratories where we're rapidly prototyping the future. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and one thing that <clears throat> to point out is that, um, you know, back at the turn of the century, there was literally urine and feces in the streets, dead horses, dead cows in the water supply. And it was the working class people that... The, especially the women that fought for better pay, better wages, and to clean up that stuff. And what they what they got was the sanitation worker and the plumber, better infrastructure, and then health improved. And a lot of you that have been listening to me know that 97, 98% of infectious diseases from 1900 to 1948 were gone because of the infrastructure put in cities to clean up the waste and clean up the water. Something that Tony mentioned earlier, people have a God-given right for clean air, clean water, clean food and safety that is that is that is a should be inalienable rights right there and it's not happening in cities the way they're laid out drugs gangs so actually the gangs have been kind of hammered on by <laughs> i won't even get into that but that you said liquor stores in every corner cigarettes there's there's no access to fresh food and that kind of stuff so infrastructure unfortunately in our country because working class people all of us listening myself included we've gotten lazy We've gotten lazy. We haven't been doers. We've been being entertained. We let the powers to be basically strip us of all this stuff, our, our income, our safety, our infrastructure. Our infrastructure right now in the United States is a D. We're plummeting into a third world country. So we need to improve our infrastructure. That would be the major thing that we could do as um, working class people coming together to improve health in this country once again. But um, what you're talking about is taking that to a whole nother level. It's infrastructure, which is what we need, but it's more sustainable. So my question to you, man, is because my company's called Chemical Free Body. Um, what are you doing with the building materials? What What are these cities being built out of? What, how, how, well, that, how is that not chemical? People don't know this, but just let's start with something simpler than even the building material. Let's talk about with paint. You know, you can have BOC paint, which 90% of paints out there that's off the shelf at Benjamin Moore or wherever you know, you go to Home Depot, has BOCs in it, volatile organic compounds in them. So you don't want to have that because that's toxic. And so you can do no VOC paint. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's like having non-organic or organic food. What do you want to be, what do you want to be breathing in? Toxic air or non-toxic air? So I think the building materials need to be also rated in terms of what standards they are and how they impact the health. Do, are they carcinogenic? You know, do they create inflammation? You know, and you should test that. Do they have mold in them? So all of these things impact a person's health and their right to, to a healthy life is impeded by low standards, you know, poor quality, and just doing things the cheapest, shortest way around. And it's not, you know, it's the, the cheap way is not the right way. You know, it's yeah. you've got to do things with quality. We got to do things with intention and we got to look at what we're putting not only in our bodies, but we're putting in our environment around us, what we breathe in, what we smell, what we see. I mean, all of these are environmental toxins, you know, yeah. plastics off gas, as you well know, all kinds of toxins. So when you drink out of a plastic bottle and you're getting all these toxins. So I think people, we need to properly inform and educate, you know, the people about what's killing them and what can possibly save them. And you, you of all people know 
all these different hacks, biohacks to live a healthier, happier, more enriched life. And so yeah. that's what we want for people. And we're pretty much focused on the underserved communities of bringing equity, bringing health into these communities that where they're living in fight or flight all the time because they're just trying to survive. And it's every day for them is, is a battlefield. It's a battle zone. And that's no way to live your life. Yeah, and I, I definitely want to connect you with Andrew Pace. You might want to write this down. It's thegreendesigncenter.com. I've actually, I think, interviewed him. I can't remember. I, it might, I can't remember what episode it is, but it's and, Andy Pace, thegreendesigncenter.com. He was actually on the board of directors. of. You remember that? It was a big fad and still is. It's the LEED certified architecture where it's supposed to be yeah. healthy and sustainable. He yeah. had to walk away from that because he said, it wasn't sustainable at all. They were like grinding, grinding up tires and putting them in as a flooring material. And people were walking in, had to walk out because they're asphyxiated. So he walked in. He actually has um, actually chemical-free building materials. Right. And he'll actually, he, he's like me, dude. It was like when I read ingredients on food and drinks and stuff like that and, and supplements, I'm like the food or supplement Nazi. I mean, I'm on it, right? He's the same thing on the paints. He will open up a whole new world to you. And he's been doing this work for over 30 years. He would be a really good consultant to bring into your guys' stuff. So, and a shout out to Andy out there. What's up, buddy? Because he has been doing good work for a long time and he's a good man. And um, I just want to make sure you guys make that connection. Okay. So it's awesome what you're doing. You're creating infrastructure, but a new type of infrastructure that's going to be better all around for our health because you're creating a healthier environment. And again, he was talking about the air. I mean, it's so important. Most people don't realize we're an, an average person is bringing, breathing in 400 gallons of air an hour, right? So a lot of air is going through this system, our human body. And we want to make sure that that air is clean. And, um, and we also the environment, you know, do you want to see a beautiful mural on the side of a building or do you want to see, you know, a bunch of paint and cuss words and, you know, some, a pile of urine and feces on the bottom of it and some, some needles and some trash. You know, that that's the difference. It's the quality of the environment is going to dictate the quality of your health and your happiness. And um, this project's really all about that. So I really want to thank you. Um, now, the next thing that I wanted to get into, well, if there's, is there anything else on future cities you want to mention? Because I want to start talking about your retreat. No, 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 that's it. And there's, I mean, there's not much to say. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much shared everything on Future of Cities and the retreat center. It's, it's quick and to the point. Well, you know. well can, can people invest in Future of Cities? Is that a Yeah, yeah. There's projects that they can invest in for sure. We're raising capital. We're going to have a fund in Portugal that we're launching later this year for golden visas for regenerative development. We have a project in Jacksonville that we're raising capital for now. Okay. Uh, are these are these real estate investment trusts, aka REITs? Or are you doing a different platform? No, they're not REITs. These are GPLP structures, and the the fund in Portugal is a, a is a fund structure in Portugal. And then you know we have partners that just become partner ecosystem partners with us that do event that do co-author thought leadership. You know that participate with us on that stuff, and you know we have corporate sponsors that sponsor events at our hub in Miami and. So there's many different ways to get involved. If you go to our website at focities.com, you can see how to get involved and how to join the movement. So please join the movement. Cool. Awesome. We love it. All right. So now tell us about Cho Zen. Your last name, Tony Cho. Chosen, C-H-O-Z-E-N. The yeah. Cho Zen Retreat. Pretty yeah. cool. Cho I like Cho that. Cho Zen Retreat is a beautiful eco-retreat sanctuary nestled on the banks of the St. Sebastian River in central Florida, which is one of the most biodiverse lagoon systems in North America. We have a river that runs through the property that connects right out to the intercoastal and to the ocean and the Atlantic. And we get all kinds of species of birds and fish life and sea life because it's a brackish water system. So we have dolphins and manatees and- you know, No way, that's so cool. And alligators and, and um, you know hundreds of bird species. We have 26 endangered species, so it's quite, uh, abundant. We call it a Florida safari, and we're really focused on land conservation and environmental awareness and, you know, kind of the way of nature, the soft essence of nature. And, uh, you know, it's more of a secular approach to nature-based learning and healing. And, um, you know, we have a 20 capacity for about 30, 40 people. It was a glamping retreat. We have a villa, we have a, a small spa, and we do groups. We do groups that are really looking to heal from the power of nature. And we say often that you know, my wife, Jimena, who you met, is a beautiful Colombian girl with a big, beautiful heart. Um, 
is that she is the Zen of the chosen partnership because I'm the, cho the go ahead, go, go, go type A personality. She's very relaxed and, uh, and just holds that essence. So, so you did get your I'll South American up. girl There's that you eventually cute. went down there for originally when you were a young teen. You got it. You got <laughs> it. That's pretty cool. So groups of like 20 or 30 can go to the yeah, our average uh, group size is 25. We've had as much as 40 or 50 and as little as five, you know, it really depends. We do corporate retreats, wellness retreats, you know, we've got 20 acres. We're on a 22,000 acre nature preserve. So yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're booking up. So, and then next year we're going to be launching our own programming. So we're going to be doing wellness and mindfulness and, you know, fast. I was even talking to Brian uh, Clemens over at Hippocrates about doing you know, a road to Hippocrates and doing kind of a mini three-day juice cleanse to prepare people to go to Hippocrates. Maybe yeah. it's a little more affordable because Hippocrates is not that affordable. You know me, I'm all about, you know, bringing equity and health to underserved populations. So, you know, it's a little bit more affordable. It's hard to, with smaller numbers of units to really offer it too cheap, but we're doing the best we can. And we're really, you know, it's, we're not really in it for the money. We're really in it for the impact and doing some great work. We just had folks from ideas from us there, a nonprofit that's doing incredible work. So really proud of the stuff that we're doing there. Really proud. That's really cool. How far away is the, the chosen retreat from Hippocrates Wellness Clinic Center? Oh, it's only an hour, hour and a half north. Oh, okay. It's near Vero Beach on the East Coast. So are you guys going to start growing sprouts up there? Or we are. We are. That's the plan. Oh, nice. Bringing in the living foods to the to the retreat. Well, that yes. is awesome, man. And um, tell your tell, tell Humana that I said hello. And I will, uh, brother. I, I will. totally send her all my best vibes. And she's an amazing woman. I was very happy to be able to meet her and, and you too. And um, I see you guys as a really powerful Zen couple. Thank you, man. Well, Tim, <laughs> I love the work that you're doing. Keep it up. And I'm always going to look to you as my health advisor, health, health master and Jedi and, and Yoda. So I already bought one machine from you. I'm sure I'll be buying a lot more stuff from you. So yeah, yeah. There's and dude, I got, I get excited when somebody gets excited about their health. I mean, I gotta, I gotta actually hold it back because I have so much stuff that I've learned over the years. I can just like throw up all this stuff. I gotta learn to titrate it out based on their uh, ability to take it all in. You know, so yeah. it usually for somebody just one that gets healthy. You know, I just ask people, how fast do you want to go? <laughs> That's yeah. usually the question because I'll go at whatever speed that you want. But I, th I really thank you for that. And um, I have definitely like you. I, it's funny. You said the living laboratory. I've been saying that for years. I, my body is literally a, my body's literally a living laboratory. And so is my coaches and stuff. So we're always experimenting. It's been 12 years of constant experimentation with stuff to find out the stuff that actually works that we can then share with people like yourself. So you don't have to waste your time trying to just, you know, decipher what's actually real and what isn't. And um, anyway, I just want to appreciate you for the work you're doing with the future of cities. That's really cool. A much better choice to infrastructure. I will put the link down below. It's uh, focities.com. That's focities.com. There'll be a link down below. And I'll also put a link down for um, what, where's the, the is it? C-H-O-Z-E-N retreat.com or live or live chosen on Instagram. Chosen. Okay chosen retreat.com all right we'll put those in the things thank you so much my brother you, brother um and to, and for the rest of the guests out there i want to thank you guys for tuning in all the health heroes out there around the world again uh it is very humbling how fast this podcast is growing uh, we are literally one of the fastest natural health podcasts in the world and it's because of you guys sharing these videos i keep trying to do my best and finding cool people like tony um, that are actually out there taking action and doing good things for working class people, doing good things for nature, bringing people back into nature, bringing us back inside to ourselves, because all the power is literally inward. It's inside of us. It's never going to become external. Your happiness is not going to come externally. Your, your health, your, your, your spiritual path, none of that stuff. It's always an inside game, cleaning up your gut, cleaning up your emotions and cleaning and getting a clear path to your, to your spiritual connection is always an inside game. So I really appreciate you guys taking what you've learned, applying it to your lives, improving yourself, and being that light in your family and your community uh, to give other people permission slips to change from your actions and them seeing your change in your life and what amazing things that you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you for uh, liking these shows and subscribing and sharing with other people. And until next time, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you guys again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. 
And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. Ha, ha, ha.